Father, uh, I thank you for this, this season. I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. And I thank you for what you've brought us to as a church. And that, God, you have much more in store for the next seven years than you did for the past seven years. When we look back, we see what you've done, God. It's been incredible. Three years ago, we had no idea we would be in a new building. Two years ago, we had no idea we would have new land just open up to us just to the north and that we'd be able to purchase that. And God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do in the next seven years. And I just believe that that the decisions we make in the next couple of weeks will impact not only our next seven years as a church, but will impact, impact the eternal destinies of people in Palestine, Anderson, and surrounding counties. And God, I want, I want to be in on that. And I think a lot of folks want to be in on that as well. So would you open up our hearts and our minds today and would you speak to us, God, as only you can? Because it's all about you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says there are four ways that you can give thanks to God. And today we're going to talk about those four ways, but we're not just going to talk about them. We're actually going to practice those in this service. And so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be sharing those four ways, and then we're going to be doing those four ways today. If you will practice these four things, you will have the life that you've always wanted as, as a Christ follower. So let's just dive in. On your listening guide, number one, I give thanks to God by singing about Him. There's so much scripture that supports this, but let me just give you a couple. I praise God, I thank God by singing about Him. First one is Psalm 147, 7. Sing out your thanks to the Lord. Sing praises to our God. Psalm 100, one of my favorite psalms. So many different songs, hymns, praise songs have come from this psalm. Shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. Um, I want to tell you a little secret. You cannot be a healthy Christian on messages alone. On Bible study alone. That's really tough for a preacher to admit. That you can't become a fully devoted follower of Christ simply by sitting and soaking. You need more than just the impression. And, and I, I believe that you need impression of the Word of God that's, that's proclaimed through a, a, a uh, God-ordained teacher. I, I believe you need that or, or I'm wasting my time. I've wasted 26 years of my life. I believe you need impression. But you also need expression through singing to God and about God. If you don't involve yourself in the music, then you're emotionally and you're spiritually starving yourself. I read about a psychologist who every time someone comes to him who is depressed, he diagnoses them with clinical depression. He, the first question he asks them is, did you sing the songs at church this last week? That's assuming they went to church. And if the answer is no, he says, your very first assignment is to go to this week and sing the songs. 
Because when I begin to sing those songs, really what a, what a praise song is, what a worship song is, is a prayer put to music that we're singing to God. And when I do that, it restores my soul. It refreshes me. And that's one of my favorite verses is Acts 3.19. It says, Therefore, repent and return. Repent means I change my mind about what I'm doing. I've been Lord of my life. I've been doing something in my life. I've been ch- I have eye trouble. A capital I. When I repent, I'm saying, God, I've tried to be in charge, but I'm giving you my life. I change my thinking, which changes my action. So it says, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from where? The presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing. One of my favorite phrases in the Bible Because there's times when I'm dry, when I feel far from God, I feel distant from God, and I need to be refreshed. And the Bible says that you get refreshed from coming into God's presence and letting Him know what's in your heart. And sometimes you don't even know what's there. And I don't know if you've learned this yet, but sometimes when when I'm really tired or stressed or just whacked out, because sometimes I get just whacked out, when I put on... Christian music, I mean, I have my favorites. I've got, a, I've got a CD that we have worn out right now. And I put on this CD and I start listening to it. It's not long before I start singing the songs. And one of my favorite things is to drive around in the car and listen to my family singing the songs that praise God. And it starts at a young age. Uh, this last week, Wes was gone and, and we had his two oldest kids. It was the sweetest thing. We were coming up here to, to the church because Janie was going to clean and I needed to do some stuff for last Sunday. And, and so he, he knows this one song and I heard him kind of singing it on the way up here. It's the, it's the Glory to God song, Steve Fee song that, that we sing a lot here. And so I heard him back there going, Glory to God. How old is John? John, four? Four years old. He's sitting back in the seat behind me and he's, Glory to God. Glory, and I just, I just smiled. So when we left, first song I put on, my kids are always requesting, put in number four, put in number seven, put in number ten. I said, this one's for John John. So John John's sitting back there, and I put it in. Dude, by the time we hit the little turnaround out here, glory to God, he is screaming, glory to God, glory to, and I just smiled as I drove home. And, and I thought, he's learning at a young age. To let God know that I'm thankful for my life. And and my heart overflowed because a four-year-old was singing praise to God. Do not rip yourself off by not participating in the singing of songs to God. The Bible says you don't have to be able to carry a tune. It says make a joyful noise. So whatever noise comes out your head, smile. And it's joyful. And God appreciates that. Praise is a mood lifter. So if you're feeling a little tired, a little cranky, a little stressed today, Satan did not want you to be here because of what you're going to hear today and what you're going to experience today. And some of you, you're just, you're down, you're out, I don't know. We encourage you. We're going to sing a couple of songs. We wanted to do this portion of the the message to get you ready for what's going to come. We got two songs that I want you to sing as if your life depended on it. Because guess what? Your spiritual life does. If you need to read the words and and you can't get, you'll get it by the end. And then, regardless of who's around you, I want you to think as if Jesus Christ were seated on His throne in all of His glory right above the screen up here. 
And so you're not singing to the band, you're not singing to me, you're not singing for anyone's benefit, but Jesus Christ, who we claim is our Lord, who we claim that we're grateful for the, the eternal life that we have. Sing to Him. Let's stand and sing. Maybe see. Now, I don't know how you worshiped just then, but I know that, that the preacher and the band get a lot of blame when people do not experience times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. But what the scripture says is that where two or three are gathered, there he'll be in their midst. If you come and refuse to engage your mind and your heart and your emotions, don't, don't blame us that you were not refreshed from coming to God. Go home and look in the mirror and admit to yourself that you did nothing to prepare to meet the king. However, if you come and you engage heart, mind, soul, emotions, I guarantee that Jesus has said he will meet with you. And he takes his word and he feeds your soul. Some of you are on your last breath spiritually, maybe even emotionally today. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. I will nourish you. The first way that, that we give thanks to God is we sing about Him. The second way we give thanks is by praying. And this seems so elementary. And so many Christians I know miss it. Philippians 4, 6, one of my memory verses from way back in the day. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. My memory verse was, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. See, the way this verse is, is worded, don't worry about anything. How many of you are world-class worriers? Right? It's the second part of the verse that makes that command, makes you able to do that command. The second part is pray about everything. If, if we prayed about everything, then we wouldn't worry. If you do the second part, the first part is easy. If you would pray as much as you worry, somebody would be praying all the time. And, and I know, I know there's been a lot of talking because next week we're, we're bringing our Building a Great Life commitment. It may be the smallest attendance of, of the year. Because um, we're asking people to give a cash gift to pay off the, the, the new land we bought over here. And, and we're asking people to make a 36-month commitment. Um, <laughs> and some of you are worried. I've heard the talk. Some of you are flat-out worried. What am I supposed to do? What am I sp if you're worried about what you're supposed to give next week, guess what that shows? You've not spent enough time talking to God about it. And I'm going to ask you this week to spend more time talking to God about it than you do your spouse or your friends about it. Because when you talk to God and you get a vision of God, you see how big He is. And you see how small what we're trying to do is compared to God. So that's part of the deal. So when you start to worry, that ought to be this flag, this big fat flag, this warning sign that says you need to pray. And then, okay, so then, look at this next verse, Philippians 4, 7. Then. How do you get to the then? 
if you don't, don't worry about anything but pray about everything, tell God what you need and thank Him for what He's going to do, then look what God promises to give you. You will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Another translation says, the peace of God that transcends all understanding. Look at the last part of the verse. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Is peace what you are feeling today? There's a price to pay to get the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. And that price is time and prayer. Anytime I'm worried, I've got to pray. And here's the deal. God wants you to be specific. If you have requests, God wants you to be specific. God doesn't want you to pray, Oh, God, bless my life. What does that mean? If you'll be specific, what do you want? Do you want God to to provide a new job? Then maybe you should pray that you get a new job. If you want God to provide uh, financially, you need to pray that God will provide financially. If it's spiritual, if if it's health-related, if it's relational, you need to be specific because God answers specific prayers. And by the way, you never know if He's answered. If you say, God bless me, that's really a wide-open prayer. God can bless you in many ways. And God said, I did. You didn't bless me, God. Yes, I did. You just didn't see it. But God also wants you to be specific in your thanksgiving. He doesn't just want you to say, Oh God, thank you for everything. That's pretty bland. God, thank you for the world. God, grant world peace. Make a list. You make a list of requests. Why don't you make a list of the things? God, here are ten things I am thankful for in my life. When I say to Janie, I'm, I'm so grateful for you, you know what she says? How are you grateful for me? What are you grateful for? Tell me more. And she wants me to list the things. I'm thankful for this and this and this and this and this. Then she goes, yeah, that's better. She wants to know why I'm grateful. It's not enough in that relationship for me to say, I'm so grateful. Tell me why. God's the same way. It is a relationship we have with a risen Savior, and He wants to know, why are you grateful? Because He doesn't bless ungrateful people. The more thankful we are, the more God can bless us. Seven weeks ago, we started this Building a Great Life series, and we talked about faith. And we said, one evidence that you have faith is thanking God in advance of the answer that's going to come. And when you begin to thank God in advance, that's when miracle-working power is released in your life. The more thankful we are, the more God can work in our lives. So today, as we focus on thanking God for all the good He's done in our lives, I realize that that our lives run on two tracks. That, That there's good and bad that happens in our lives, and it's never always good, and it's never always bad. There's both, right? I mean, there's seasons when it seems like there's more good and there's seasons when it seems like there is nothing but bad. But what I want you to do today is recognize that you can be thankful for what you have. But I know that a lot of you today, you're hurting. You're going through some tough times. Some of you have written that on the back of your cards week after week. You've got to pray for me because I'm sucking wind. Someone said that. I am sucking wind. Pray for me. And some of you are hurting and you need a miracle. Some of you are out of work. Some of you are separated from a loved one. Some of you have lost a loved one. Some of you are dealing with infertility. Some of you just can't figure out what direction wants you to go. Some of you have a crisis in your life that relates to health. 
Or maybe your emotions are just out of whack. Or maybe you are jacked up with someone that you really care about and it's messing up the rest of your life. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray in just a moment. But what I want you to do first, before we pray for you, I want you to pray and tell God what's going on in your life. I want you to tell Jesus Christ your problem. I want you to be specific. So you begin thinking about it because we're going to have a moment of silence and you're going to pray and you're going to tell God what your problem is. Whatever it is. and, And by the way, it's okay to shed tears. If you can't be open and honest with this group of people, we got serious problems. we got more than financial problems in our church. This is a place where you ought to be able to say, here's who I really am, and we will love you and encourage you every step of the way. So let's just pause. I ask you to close your eyes. Nobody's doing anything weird. Close your eyes, and you tell God the number one or two issues that you're struggling with right now. Just lay it out before Him. In the midst of whatever struggle you are going through, I want you to thank God for the good stuff in your life. It's there. You may not be able to see it, but you start listing things that you're grateful to God for. Thank God that He cares about you. He knows you by name. He can help us. Thank God that He has a purpose for your life. Start to thank Him in the midst of your pain. Just do that right now. There are folks in your church family that want to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to do something here in a second that we don't normally do. If you are really struggling and you would like for us to pray for you, just kind of as a sign of your faith in God, I want you to stand. If you need special prayer, you stand where you are. You keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. You stand up. And your church family, we're going to look around and we're going to pray for you. There's one person that needs prayer. Come on now. of you who are seated, just look around. Notice the people and begin to pray. You pray for God's wisdom. You pray for God's discernment. You pray for God's provision in these people's lives. The Bible says, bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. We are fulfilling the law of Christ as we pray for these folks today. Father, as a church family, we pray for these who are standing, who have special needs in their lives. We don't know what the needs are, God, but you do. You knew their needs even before they showed up on our campus today. Before they made a request, before they made it public, you knew. You know every single need represented by each life standing. 
Father, would you help these folks feel the love and the concern of their church family, their brothers and sisters in Christ? Would you help them to know your love and your care about their hurts and their fears? God, you know their struggles. You know our sins and our loneliness and our grief and our physical pain. For those who are standing this morning that are hurting, may they experience relief. For those who are separated and in conflict with a loved one, may they find restoration and reconciliation. For those who are sick, may they experience healing of their bodies and of their souls. For those who can't seem to break a bad habit, God, may they experience release from that habit. For those who are depressed and discouraged, would you give them a restored joy? We pray for those who are standing amongst us this morning, God, who are struggling financially. Would you give them your provision and miraculously provide for them, God? For those who don't know what to do, help them to know your will. Make it clear to them. For those who may feel guilty and ashamed under some kind of stress or burden, may they know the freedom of forgiveness. And Father, if there's one standing this morning who needs your salvation, may they experience your son, Jesus Christ, and be adopted into your family today. Thank you for the good that you've done in our lives. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for hearing our prayers. And thank you in advance for what you're going to do in each of these lives as a result of your power. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got a home in that yonder city, good Lord, and it's not not made by hand now a life of thanksgiving is not wearing a, a pilgrim outfit running around acting like a little jamie um it's singing praises to god singing your thanks to god it's praying and telling god not only your problems but that god i thank you for what you're going to do in my life and there's a third thing And it is giving. I want to give you a couple of scriptures here and then tell you where the the whole idea of giving came from. Psalm 50, 14 says, Give an offering to show thanks to God. Give God most high what you've promised. 2 Corinthians 9, 11 says, Your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Years ago, there were all these different bumper stickers, you know, and, and one of the bumper stickers said... Honk if you love Jesus. You remember that one? Anybody seen that one? Some of us are much older than the rest of you. We've seen it. Um, you know, sorry. There's a better bumper sticker out today. It says this. If you love Jesus, tithe. Any fool can honk. <laughs> yow. Yow, 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 yow. Janie and I were talking this week. We went to a, a, a wedding yesterday. My niece got married in, in Baytown. And we were driving home. And, and we've been talking about this whole idea of giving and offering and sacrificing and all this stuff. We've been talking about this since December when we first purchased the land um, next door. And uh, Janie was telling me yesterday, she said, what really solidified in her mind that we needed to do something as a church and, and us as, as a couple, what we needed to do was, was the fact that I told her, if we did nothing but pay what we're paying right now on this building and then we, we add the new land, in 14 and a half years we would pay off this building and the new land. 
I'll be 60. And then, yeah, thank you. And then we'll have jack squat money to build a new building. And if we took just what we're paying on this building and what we'd be paying on the new land and we saved it for another five years, we would be able to build a building out there. And Janie said, so 20 years. Janie said, she just got sick to her stomach. And she said, we got to do something. And she said, I'm in. Whatever, I'm in. We have to do something. It's unacceptable to wait 20 years to do what we believe God's calling us to do. And so we started praying and talking. And I said, in three years, we could pay off this building, the new land, and if God provides... We could have enough money to break ground on our new worship building right out here. We're going to make a little U-shaped parking uh, driveway that goes over into the new land and have parking over there. We're going to make, build at least a, a 100 by 120 building out there on that land. Double the size of, uh, of the current space. We've got 10,800 square feet in this building, so that'll be 12,000 square feet. We'll double the size in, in three years. Which one, which one would God have to be involved in for us to accomplish. 20 years? That's our, our power. And every church I've ever been in in my life did stuff like that in their power. And then after everybody was dead who started the building program, they come out and they burn the note. Woohoo! Yay! Look what we did! I don't want to be one of those churches. I want to be involved in something so big that everybody around says, you should have seen what God did. 3,000 years ago, an entire nation did what we're going to do next week. They came together and they gave sacrificially to build a, a house of worship for God, for the one true God. They prayed and they sacrificed and they gave, and it was the largest offering ever in the history of the world. In today's finances, the nation of Israel gave $400 million on one day to build a house for God. And after the, the offering was given, their leader David prayed. And this is a prayer that, that I hope to pray over us next week. First Chronicles 29. David said, Now, our God, we thank you. These things did not really come from me and my people. Everything comes from you. We have only given you back what you gave us. Lord, we have gathered all this to build your temple. But everything has come from you and everything belongs to you. You test people's hearts and you are happy when people do what is right. I am happy to give all these things and I gave with an honest heart. And your people gathered here are happy to give to you too. And we rejoice to see their giving. They didn't give out a grudge. They didn't give out of, of uh, pressure. They didn't feel stressed. Nobody forced them to do anything. These people said, it is only right that we do something for God because of all that he's done for us. We will give willingly. And so next Sunday, we're going to have the Lord's Supper. And we're going to bring our, our one-time gift offerings. And we're going to bring our 36-month commitments. And we're going to do it as an act of worship. We're going to, we're going to have a, a great time, no matter how many of us are here next Sunday. Because I'm not responsible for what you give. I'm responsible for what I give. And, and so I hope you'll be here and, and I hope we get to celebrate God's people catching it 
and realizing what can happen when we all come together. Now, there's a fourth thing we do for a life of thanksgiving, and that's sharing a testimony. Isaiah 12, 4 says, Thank the Lord, praise His name, tell the world about His wondrous love, how mighty He is. Now, if you've ever been in a trial, a testimony is not what the lawyer does. A testimony is not what the judge does. It's not what the jury does. A testimony is what a witness does. Witness just comes forward and tells what they have seen and heard. When we're applying it to spiritual things, a, a testimony is what God has done in my life. There is no one out there who is an ex- expert on what God's done in your life except you. And if you don't tell your story, it will not get told. In Deuteronomy, God says this, Be very careful to never forget what you've seen God doing for you. May His miracles have a deep and permanent effect upon your lives. Tell your children and your grandchildren about the glorious miracles He did. God says He wants you to remember what He did in your life and He wants you to tell other people. The problem is we don't remember. We forget what God did yesterday and that's why we worry about tomorrow. The best way to remember how God's worked in your life is to write it down. Next week, I want to share some of your testimonies. You have a sheet of paper today, that green sheet that you got today. Y'all hold those up. And somebody bring me one because I left mine in my office. There you go. I'll give it back. Now, we want to know what you participated in over this series. And by the way, this is the most talked about series, and whether it's for good reasons or bad reasons, you're talking, so... We may do it again next year just to tick you off. Building a great life report. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We want to know, would you check these things? Um, If you committed to tithing, check that. If you committed to having family devotions together, we're having a blast in our family reading through the the, uh, six weeks of daily devotions. Had a blast. We didn't do them while we were at the wedding, so we got to make up three days. If you read through the New Testament in 30 days, check that off. If you signed up to serve in some type of ministries, check that off. If you contributed in any way to the Building a Great Life offering, check that. Now, here's, here's where I want your, your testimony. I want to know how God worked in your life as you prepared for building a great life. And be honest. If, if, God, if you struggled and God had to work in your heart, write that down. I want you to write down what new life means to you. If, if you're thankful for new life and the ministries of new life, people at new life, write that down. How God is stretching you and growing you during our Building a Great Life campaign. And what are you thankful for? And there's a couple of ways you can do this. Some of you, if you want to write on this front and back today and leave this with me, I'll include as many as I can next week. I want this to become a part of the permanent record of New Life Community Church. If you want to type it up on your computer, send it. My email is on there. The church, New Life, has a uh, Facebook page. Why not write something you're thankful about on the Facebook page? Instead of that you're sitting down eating nachos, watching a ball game. Because I really don't care if you're eating nachos, watching a ball game. Write something down that, that can be useful, that God can use as your testimony. God pours out His power in the lives of people who are grateful. One of the best stories, examples of this is in the Bible. It's in Acts chapter 16, and and I don't have time to read the whole thing, so let me just summarize for you. Many of you have heard this story. Paul 
and, and his uh, helper named Silas were in jail. What they'd done is they'd gone to Philippi, the city of Philippi, to speak and tell about Jesus. And, and they ticked off the Jews there. And so the Jews incited people to, to arrest them and have them thrown in jail. But before they were thrown in jail, they were beaten with rods. Now, you know, you take basically a fishing rod, a very stout fishing rod, a, a catfish fishing rod... That's basically what a rod was, and they were beaten, and, and the Jews would beat you 39 times with it. The law said you could be beaten 40 times, but they did 39 to make sure they didn't break the law. So they didn't try these guys. They drag them out because they didn't like them talking about Jesus. They beat Paul and Silas on the back 39 times with these rods. They drug them off, and they stuck them in jail. Did not do anything with their wounds. These guys, their, their feet were put in stocks, and they were thrown in jail. The Bible tells us in, in Acts 16 that about midnight, Paul and Silas aren't sitting there feeling sorry for themselves. They start singing. Are you kidding me? Is that your first thought? You've been whooped and stuck in jail without a trial. You're going to be singing? They start singing to God. And God looked down and was so moved by their attitude of gratefulness that it says the ground shook. He sent an earthquake, and it was a localized earthquake because you know what happens? All of the doors of the cells fly open. All of the, uh, the chains that are on them fall off, and the jailer is asleep, and he was given strict orders. Don't you dare let these men escape. That's all in the Scripture. So he's shaken out of bed, literally shaken out of bed. He jumps up, he looks, and he sees all of the cells open, and he assumes that all of the prisoners are gone. He takes out his sword and is about to kill himself because the Romans are going to do it to him anyway because he lost all his prisoners. And just before he thrusts the sword in his heart, Paul says, Yo, dude, we're all in here. I think that's what he said. He said, We are all here. I would say, Dude, don't kill yourself. No one's gone, Homer. And he comes and he looks in and every prisoner is still accounted for. And the Bible says he comes in with fear and trembling and falls at Paul and Silas' feet. And, and he says, what kind of prisoner are you? Because you're not normal. And Paul begins to tell him about Christ that they serve. He said, we're servants of Christ. The jailer right there in the middle of the night becomes a follower of Christ. He becomes a believer, gives his heart and his life to Christ and is adopted into God's family. And he's so moved by their story and by this power that they have that he takes them home, begins to bandage all of their wounds, and then his entire family becomes Christians in the middle of the night and are baptized in the middle of the night. God can work miracles in grateful people. God blesses grateful people. He does not bless ungrateful, immature whiners. The power of thanksgiving is the power to set you free. Some of you are in prisons created by your own poor choices and by your own poor attitudes. And God says, I want you to be thankful for what I've given you. And as you begin to be thankful, I will unleash my miracle-working power in your life. So if you're stuck today... Whatever prison you're in, I want you to begin thanking God right now. 
The Bible says, thank God in everything, in everything give thanks. It doesn't say thank God for everything. Oh, I thank you, God, that I just hit a deer and totaled my car. No, that's the wrong attitude. The attitude is, oh, I thank you, God, that I am safe. That you are supposed to be thankful in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. So if you start thanking God in the situation before it's finished, before the problem is resolved and is taken away, that's when God says, now I got you where I want you and you can be trusted with my power and he will release you from your bondage. You have a, a registration card. Would you take that out and fill it out for me? And I always ask you to write something on the back. And here's what I want you to write on the back. You have four choices today. What area of thanksgiving do you need to build more in your life? Number one was singing. Do you need to sing more to God? Do you need to put good stuff in, in your ears rather than I cried in my beer and she ran off with my dog? And... I mean, what do you put in your life? Do you, need to, do you need to sing and put more positive in your life, sing to God? Number two was praying. Do you need to spend more time praying? And I'm not telling you, you you move away from your job and you become a 24-7 prayer. What you do is you have an attitude of prayer. In all things you give thanks and you pray. If you need to pray more. Maybe you do need to set some time aside. If you're getting 167 hours of garbage put in your mind every week, Maybe you need to put more in more of God's stuff in your mind every week. Just a thought. Giving, we've been talking about that for seven weeks. If God's not gotten your attention now, He's not going to. And by the way, I told you seven weeks ago, I said, here there are three types of people in every church. There are people that will give. If I just stand up here and say, we have a need, there are people who will give. In fact, we've been in this church almost, this building, almost two years. And just in the old building, I mentioned that we could pay off the building faster if some people would give over and above their tithe. There have been four individuals for almost two years that have given an extra $100 a month just to go to pay off the building. That's why we owe less than, than what we originally took out two years ago because we've had more money going to that. So, there's so there were people that were going to give no matter what kind of emphasis we did. There are people that are not going to give no matter what we do. And we just say... If you don't want to give, that's fine. Just shut up. Because we don't want to hear about it. We don't want you to whine about it. We don't want you to complain. And we have a no whining rule here. I have a no whining rule in my house. I have a no whining rule in church. If you're not going to give, that's okay. We love you. You can keep coming. Just shut up. We don't want to hear about how bad your life is. If it's just you're whining and complaining. There's a third group of people though. And this is why we did this campaign. There are some of you who said, I am so grateful to Jesus Christ and I want to grow that I'm willing to give sacrificially so I can, I can store investments in heaven. And that's who we did this campaign for. And some of you have gotten on board. I've gotten emails. Someone came up here last week. By the way, I hope you write your story down. You know who came up here. Write your story down so I can share it. Telling me about how he has been faithful in tithing and how God provided a miracle years ago. I want to share that story with you if I get permission. There, there's somebody who wrote a... In, in fact, I didn't even ask permission. I'm going to share it anyway. Uh, several weeks ago, Kimberly McQuistian wrote down on the back of her card. She said, we are debt-free except for the house. They paid off $45,000 in less than two years. 
And she said, we are giving over and above the tithe for the first time, and it feels awesome. And I'm not saying that to, so you go pat them on the back. Not at all. She was so stinking excited that they'd finally gotten out of the prison of debt, and they were at a new place in their life. She said, I can't, I can't believe where we are. There's a group of you that are going to get it. And that's who we preached this whole series for. And then next week is our final exam. And nobody's going to condemn you if you don't give. But don't you dare rob someone else of their blessing of giving. Because I want to be involved in something that lasts beyond the grave. And best I can figure out, What I do for my family lasts beyond my lifetime. And what I do for the family of God lasts beyond this lifetime. And so I'm sold out for those two things. There was a uh, Lindsey Vaughn, Olympic athlete, a couple weeks ago, she was talking about she has lived her whole life for that gold medal. And I'm like, yay, I'm cheering. I love the Olympics. I love cheering for the United States. But if all I got to show for this life is a gold medal, I'm going to be pretty disappointed when I die. Let's pray together and be dismissed. Whatever it is that's enslaving you today, bitterness or anger or worry or doubt or loneliness, I challenge you to start thanking God for what you've got. Asking God to change your attitude. Instead of looking at what you've lost, you start looking at what you have left and watch God do a miracle. And then be willing to share that with your church family. Because there's somebody here who needs to hear your story. So write it down. If you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, here's how you do it. You say, Jesus Christ, thank you for dying on the cross for me. You just pray this in your mind silently. Thank you that you promised to forgive me if I admit I need forgiveness. Today, Jesus Christ, as best I know how, I ask you to come into my heart and my life. And I thank you for adopting me. And then in your heart and your mind, you just say amen. Father, take your word, multiply it, and bring about a harvest so great that we would not believe it if you told us ahead of time. We pray this in your name. Amen.